1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6. And they gathered together to Mitzvah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord, fasted on that day and said, We've sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mitzvah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together. Everybody say, gathered together to mitzvah. The lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us that he will save us out of the hands of the Philistines. Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to the battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and disconfitted them, and they were smitten before the Lord. And the men of Israel went out of Mitzvah and pursued the Philistines and smote them, and they came unto Bethbakar. Then Samuel took the stone and set it between Mitzvah and Shem and called the name Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel and the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored. When they went after the Philistines, God says, I'm giving back what you lost. I want to preach tonight, your setback is just a setup for a turning point. Lift your hands and ask God to talk to us tonight. Jesus, I need your help tonight to deliver your word with such a clarity, God, with such an understanding. I'm asking you right now, let your word go forth like never before. Let your people be encouraged, strengthened. God, I'm asking you, unify us like never before, together, that your will could be done. The battle that may rage, victory could be won. I ask you here tonight, in Jesus' name, we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. It's time that the writing of the book of Samuel, Samuel's the beginning. It's a transition period between what they had just come out of in the book of Judges. They had just come out of the Deborahs, the Baraks, the Samsons, the time of judging when the Bible closes out saying, for man did that which was right in his own eyes. And they're in a transitional moment between judges and the monarchs that are coming. They didn't know, they didn't understand maybe where they were, but Samuel comes to the occasion as the prophet, the man of God, to help them navigate the impending transition, the impending change, the impending adjustment to what they knew was common life for them. 
Everything was radically about to change for them. Everything was radically about to come into a brand new venue when the kings came and uh, Solomon, David, and Saul was going to enter into the picture. There was going to be a total different setting and a different environment that was going to be now upon the children of Israel. And Samson's call to order to help them in the transition. Transitions are tough. In life, no matter what you and I go through, whether it be an aging transition, whether it be an economical transition, whether it be a social class type of transition, transition is tough. We're in a transition in our nation right now. It's in the throes of an upheaval between two worlds that are clashing in the supernatural. Such an upheaval and such an unrest in the spirit of man and humanity. Nothing new under the sun. We find it here in the pages of the word of God. The children of Israel had the ark and they they had such confidence in the ark. They knew the power that it represented and the glory and the presence of God that was over it. But now the ark is even out of place. The ark is not in its proper place and locale. It's now been in the hands of the Philistines and the Philistines didn't even know what to do with it. And the preceding chapter is nothing more than the word of God trying to manifest itself in such a poverty stricken society. They were spiritually destitute in their heart and their mind because of the impending change and the, and the, the alteration of what was taking place around them. And the Philistines that had the ark, even they didn't know what to do with it. And that ark now is coming back home. That ark that they had relied on and trusted on for so long now is out of place and what was common now is now changed and been altered. And Philistines that had held it, they put that ark on the, the, the card and the kind it called it, the, the cows and the calves, that those calves began to yearn or didn't yearn at that time. And the mom, the mother cow, it didn't turn back. And such a type of the supernatural and the impossibilities that God was trying to show them. But in the transition, God was trying to bring back to them that it doesn't matter what happens around you. There is something that is always constant in your walking with me. That God never changes and He never alters Himself. He never moves from where He is. But God is a forever perpetual in a, in a state of constant moving out. He reaches in the past. He reaches in your tomorrow. He reaches in your today. And whatever takes place outside that is all so inconsistent. His presence, His glory, it stays the same. It never changes, it's never altered, it never moves. Even though everything around you and I fluctuates and moves. See, they were coming to a point where God had to establish a turning point. That last second to last verse I read, the word shin, it means point, turning point. It means a point that they had reached, that if God didn't show up and turn the situation, I'm done for. 
How many times, Brother Jackson, have you and I got in a place that if God didn't show up and turn the situation, I was done for in my faith. I was done for in my living for God. I was done for in whatever I was facing in my life. See, God was setting the stage for them and letting them know there's a turning point to this way. The glory of God will not always be departed. The presence of God will not always be far away. But if you and I will hunger... There's a turning point. See, it was just a setup. God was allowing them to go through the transition, setting them up, the setback that they were felt like they were far removed from the things of God and the purpose of God and what God had for them. All hope was gone in their minds. But God says, the ark bring it on down to Kilimanjaro and when that ark got there the people began to say what can we do to bring back what has been folks there's a nation out beside these walls that is asking what can we do to bring peace what can we do to bring a hope to this world there's a nation outside of see we're incubated we're we're protected here but there are people outside of our four walls that are saying is there any hope is there anything they need a turning point they need something to change and when you and I gather together it's the thing that sets the stage for a turning point that's coming down the road It's not a setback. Your disappointment is not a setback that's going to do you in. It's a setup that's going to bring you to a change that you've been asking God for. I've asked God so many times, God, change this. Change that. Alter this. I know he can, Sister Juanita. He can do anything. And what looks like is a setback in my faith. God's not doing it. God's not responding. God's not manifesting it. I know he's a healer. I know he's a miracle worker. I know he could, if God wanted to, he could step into a bar room. He could step into a bar room and he could grab them by the nap of the neck and say, I tell you what, you can't keep going down this road of alcohol. You can't keep going down this road of addiction. See, things that you and I look like, look for might be a setback, but it's really God just setting the stage for you and I to find a turning point in the, in the situation where you and I have prayed and God seemingly ain't moved. I'm telling you, we're on the verge of a turning point for our church. We're on the verge of a turning point for our families. We're on the verge of a turning point for a revival in this state. See, but they could have looked at it. I'm not negating the obedience and the sacrifice that they had to do to get to that point. But what I want you to see here tonight, I'm preaching to people, you've sacrificed, you've prayed, you've sought God, you've hungered for God. You're at the point of waiting for this thing to turn. 
You've asked God for them to come. You've asked for miracles. You've asked for God to work something out that you know you can't work out. See, you've done the first part of that verse. You're, you're poised and positioned. I'm trying to help somebody understand because God ain't moved. That looks like a setback, but it's really a setup. And God's positioned you one step closer to a turning point. That shin, that place, that point, that stone where you think it can never be moved. God's about to step into your world and my world and change everything up. That's what's happened in this country. It's on the verge of a turning point. The great harvest, the latter rain has moved upon us. Revival ain't coming. Revival's here. And this story depicts a pattern for you and I showing us, Brother Smith, that where the glory had vacated. And I could quickly let my mind go down the road. And I associated so easy to associate those older stories of verbal being and Joe Duke and, and, and the glory that seemingly was there in such a powerful way that they could literally preach. And before anything ever happened, people were running to that altar in conviction. It seemed like to me, in just my, my, my elementary understanding, that's the glory. But now we reach an hour where you preach and you give everything you got to a sinner on the pew and they don't move. Here's the hope. It's not a setback. It's a setup. Because there's about to come a turning point in lives and hearts that said, I'll never come to the house of God. I'll never live for God. I'll never do those things that you said that we got. I'll never do that. Something's about to change. And the veil's about to be removed from sinners, from backsliders, from people that once knew this truth and have walked away. There's a turning point that's coming. I'm trying to preach faith in somebody here tonight. Don't you throw in the towel now. Don't you give up now. Just because of everything we've been through we're on the verge of the greatest apostolic outpouring that we've ever seen before and the glory is upon us it's here you can feel it tonight in this service you can feel it in the prayer room you could feel it this morning. You could feel it last night. Something was moving. And something's trying to show you and I, this is it. This is all that you've been through. It was, it might have looked like a setback. But God's setting us up for a supernatural. Where my words ain't worked, Brother Larry, his words work. Where I can't negotiate with them, his word can negotiate with them. Where I don't know what to do, Brother Butch, his word knows how to get a hold of that hard heart and that mind that said, I'll never change. There's a turning point in Shein. There's a turning point that God's trying to give you and I, where the enemies held them captive and said, I'll never let them go. I defy that spirit of addiction. I defy that spirit that's unclean. Loose them now by the authority of the name of Jesus. It can hold them. It can't hold them. It can't hold them. We sang about it. The name of Jesus. See, the glory's coming back. 
I really believe that there's going to be such a visitation and it's upon us now. That's going to represent the Old Testament glory. The Old Testament glory that we remember in our childhood days. That we remember when we would be. I've used my story. You got your story. I remember mine in that old Evangelion church and them wooden floors. And that old preacher got to be preaching. And man, he was just going down. And I'm thinking, oh God, don't let him come by my road. Don't let him come by me. Because I knew. See, that's the difference. I knew I wasn't right. Just bust down. I knew, but oh God, don't let him. And inevitably, he'd come by my road. And he'd get to preaching about sin. And he'd get to be preaching about how I need to get right with God. And Brother Darrell, as a young boy, I'd be shaking under conviction in that moment. See, what was God trying to do? He was showing me the glory. He was showing me how to have a relationship with him. That's beyond just some memorized thing. But I can talk to him like I talk to my wife. I can talk to him like I talk to my brethren. I can have a relationship with him that goes beyond just kind of some, now I lay me down to sleep. But I can talk to him and say, God, you know where I am. I've been set back on some things. I'm behind God on some things. I'm behind in my finances. I'm behind in my marriage. I ain't been a good daddy. I ain't been a good mama. I ain't been a good anything, but it might have been a setback. But God's about to set me up and give me a turn in my situation. He's turning it. I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost tonight. God's turning this thing. He's turning it. And what we've asked God for and what we've desired to see in our churches that you've longed for and prayed that backsliders start coming to God. And there's, a, there's that old-fashioned conviction and repentance comes back to all that what you've asked God for, God's going to grant it because there's hearts that are hungry. There's families that are in distress. There's families that need a miracle right now. And God's turning the tables and turning this thing that a change in their lives is going to come. It's already come to me and you, but it's coming to our community. It's coming to the families of this area. So when the glory started coming back, and I equate that with, this is what's going to visit us again. One more time. One more time. Stories your daddy would tell me. You're coming back. And as that glory and that ark started coming back, here's what they did. They gathered together. Kind of reminds us of what we've been through. We're finally back together. See, what we look at is such a setback. Our economy. Oh God, I'm a, God, please let it all come back. We're praying that. We want that. Oh, this was just a setback. No, 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 no. It was a setup. 
Everything that's happened in the last two months was a setup. God's positioning you and I that something could change. I'm not going to stop preaching it. I'm not going to stop believing it. That God still wants a man to repent and he wants him to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. And a man's got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And just because maybe the numbers ain't coming, I'm not going to stop preaching the message because there's some things that look like I've been set back, but really God set me up that the message digs deeper in my heart. My relationship with him goes a little bit deeper. My experience with him is bigger than just some one Sunday, but it's something I experience every day. Every day. There can be a glory experience. A moment that I experience him, Brother Ron, like I've never experienced him before and when that ark started coming home or started coming in that place the people gathered together and unified watch the setback brought unity it brings unity to families you were stuck with them for two months eating all your groceries Thank God we ain't getting no beef right now. Because I need to lose some weight. It brought us close to families. We, it brought us closer to one another. It brought us closer together as a church family. See, what looked like a setback. Now we can focus on that. Oh God, it'll never be but if we look at it as really, it's just a setup to something turning that I can't make happen. I can't make them come. You can't make them come. I can't manufacture revival. You can't manufacture revival. But if we keep praying like we've been doing and we keep fasting like we've been doing and we keep hungering for God like we've been doing, there's going to come a turning point that where you couldn't change it, God's going to say, you reached the point of no return and now I've got to step in and do what you couldn't do. I'm telling somebody what the government can't do and what your family can't do and what your spouse can't do and what the doctor can't do. If you have one turning point in an experience with God, your whole world will change. It'll change. You know about a turning point. You know about a turning point. See, something happened. Now watch, here's what's so neat. They begin to sacrifice they begin to offer sacrifice unto the Lord. They poured water out, type of cleansing. All of these are just, I'm not going to spend time on it. Just go back and read it. They poured water out, a type of cleansing. They sacrificed a lamb and a bull. They did all these things in sacrifice and obedience and said, God, forgive us. Repentance all was part of it. But now watch. Once they got done with that, and here's Samuel. At a place called Mitzvah. M-I-Z-E-P-H, every spell it. It means watchtower. When they gathered together, they gathered around a watchtower. 
central place. That's why people say you can just go do your own thing, have church wherever you want, do your own thing. You got to surround you for true revival to come. There's got to be a mitzvah. There's got to be a watch. I'm going to add another one to it. It don't say in the definition, but it preaches real good. What's called the watchman on the wall. You got to have a pastor. You got to have somebody in your life. I'm preaching evangelist. I- I'm done slipped into the evangelist mode. Just let me preach a little bit. You got to have a pastor. You got to have a house of God that you worship. You got to have a place that you call home that you and I can stay a part of and not just run around do can I be an evangelist just for a moment mitzvah watchtower and they went to Samuel the watchman you know what it says elder it says order before you're ever going to have a turning point in your life there's got to be order in your life you got to get right with your brother. You got to get right with your husband and wife. You got to get right with me. You got to get right with the dog and the cat. That just preaching good. I said, Dimer. My God, for those that got gerbils, get right with your gerbil. I'm having fun tonight. You can tell. I ain't got no camera in my face. You got to have a moment. That these things are bridged back together. Watchtower, watchmen, and Samuel, they said, cry unto the Lord for us. They realized they got to a place that they could not go any further. They turned to him. In the Old Testament, that was the representation. And rightfully so, New Testament, fivefold ministry. But just hear me for a moment. God wants you and I to turn to him. That in the moment that we're gathering together and sacrifices are going, we're praying, we're seeking God, we're doing everything that we know to do. Watch. The Bible says the Philistines show up. Now here's what you got to remember about this whole story. The Philistines had the ark. They gave it back, but they never gave over dominion. If you miss that, you miss the whole part of the message. Because here's what's happening. They had a turning point in the midst of their captivity. So what that tells me is you can be in jail and have a turning point. You can be in the darkest valley you ever walked in and have a turning point. You can feel as hopeless as that the sun would never rise again. But there can still be a turning point. It doesn't matter how bad it is, how hopeless it is, how dark it is, how far removed you are from the promise. You can have a turning point in the midst of a fleshly captivity. Philistines represent flesh. That's where we are. Flesh. The world. Flesh. Flesh out of control. Flesh is doing just crazy stuff. Looting target. Or looting or whatever you call that. Looting, looting. Lugian. <laughs> Stealing. Yeah. That's my terminology. Just plain Jane. You stole it, boy. What's that got to do? And I'm not going to get into some political thing here. Just hear me. It's flesh out of control. 
It ain't got nothing to do with race. It's got to do with the Philistine dominion. And here we are as the church in the midst of the Philistines having dominion. That's why I'm trying to preach to you and to me. It doesn't matter how many Philistines are out there. It doesn't matter what they may do out there. You and I can still have a Holy Ghost turning point. I can still have a moment in God. That's why you and I can come to the house of God on a Sunday night at 6 o'clock and lift our hands and the glory of God sweep through this place. What's God trying to tell you and I? My glory, my glory is with you in the end time. Even though they got captivity, no matter how hopeless it is, I know some of you have felt what I felt. This paralyzing fear or hopelessness. That's why I'm saying, just come, Jesus. Just come. I'm tired. I'm young, but I'm tired. Just come. See, here's what God clued me into. I'll come when I'm ready to come. But in the meanwhile, I didn't set you. You got set back, you think. But really, I'm setting up the church to be in the best position it's ever been in. I'm setting up families. That's why I want to tell somebody here today, whatever you've been through, whatever you've been through, and whatever your trouble has been, you need to remember, it might look like a setback. It's really just God setting you up for a ministry down the road, for an anointing down the road, for something that you got to do down the road that you couldn't do it if you remained like you were two years ago or a year ago. But if you and I can look at it and say, God, this didn't happen without you knowing about it it's not just a setback it's really you positioning me for the greatest miracle ever y'all musicians y'all, y'all come so if they're under Philistine control here's what helped me that if the Philistines and flesh is rampant, they got the glory. They got the glory. They got his presence. They got Eliezer, the priest. He got him in place. And God even said, you know what one of the key components of the Philistines, I'm about closing, but just let me tell you this. You know what one of the key components of the Philistines was? Brother Larry, Ashroth, and Baal was from Canaan. He said, you got to cut off the idols of Baal. Here's what Samuel was trying to tell the church and the people of Israel. you got to separate these things from you. Because that's part of what the, that's what gives the Philistines leverage over taking you back again. And Baal was a god of Canaan. It was the god of the storm. How ironic, we got a storm coming. It was the god of the storm, Brother Micah. And here's what it meant. When Israel got weak in their faith, they didn't turn to God, they turned to Baal. And they began to worship the god of the storm, saying, help our land, send the rains, and get all this fixed. And Samuel said, you got to get rid of that one. And number two, you got to get rid of Ashroth, which was a god of the Philistines. And Ashroth was a sensual, immoral spirit. If there's ever a day We're battling sensuality and the lust of the eye that wants to pull us away. 
See, the enemy wants to pull you out of the church and God saying, I'm doing everything I can to keep us in the church. And this is how you stay in the church. You pray, you fast. That's why I want to commend somebody in this house tonight. Don't you stop praying now. Don't you stop fasting now. And the Philistines that had dominion show up, watch, at the time Samuel starts the sacrifice. And here's what he's trying to show us. The enemy cares about one thing. Don't sacrifice. Don't sacrifice. Because when you sacrifice, it draws the Philistines because he knows. The enemy, the flesh, he knows. My time's numbered. And when Samuel goes to do the sacrifice, the Bible says, and God thundered. One translation says, and God spoke. God is fixing to speak to us in this end time like we have never heard. That's why I said it this morning. Our preaching is changing. Our church services are changing. Not just here, but across the board. It's changing. Why? Because God is fixing to show himself so strong to hearts that are hungry and want to know, is there a God? Is it really real? Is this Pentecostal experience real? You hear me? There's people asking that question. And God, as long as you and I keep sacrificing, and as long as we keep doing what we're doing, at the right moment, God is going to step in, and there's going to be a thunder from heaven that's going to call his word to go forth and where you and I have preached and we've taught and we've lived it and we've exercised faith that word is going to go forth and chains are going to break off of people that you and I have asked God repeatedly over and over it'll break verse 10 and 10 go to the next one quickly I'm through Mitzvah was watchtower. You know what Bethlehem means? Watch this. This should make somebody shout. Bethlehem means family, house. Well, your house has been in chaos. God says, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." When I show up, I'll put your house back in order. Come on, somebody. You've been fighting hell in your house. You've been fighting hell in your marriage. You've been fighting hell with your kids. Bethlehem says, it's time of the house. It's time for a family. It's time for you and I. Don't look at your setback in a negative way, but look at it as a setup that God give you what you want. Next verse. Samuel, watch. Took a stone. Here it is. He set it between the watchtower and the turning point she in he called the name of it Ebenezer not Ebenezer Scrooge Ebenezer and Ebenezer means stone of help things are going to be different when you reach the turning point battles you used to face brother Larry you won't have to face them no more because when God turns it he takes care of everything connected to it and you start with a brand new beginning sister Melissa God's trying to show you and I in this hour we live it's time for a turning point Daniel experienced it Daniel chapter 10 Daniel said I'm asking you God I need a miracle And here's what God said. From the day you 
ask me for understanding. Daniel wasn't asking for a breakthrough deliverance. He was asking for understanding of how to do and what to do. And God said, from the time you ask him, I've been held up for 21 days. Or my angel, Gabriel, sending the messenger has been held up. But I tell you what, I sent Michael and he's ready. We are fixing in this end time to see a revelation of the power of the archangel Michael like we've never seen. Hear me, I'll qualify it. You got the natural Jews and the Michael, the archangel, governs them. But we're spiritual Jews. And where Michael guards them, God is Michael is sent by God to guard the church in this end time hour. And where you and I are exhausted and don't have strength, God is going to send Michael the archangel to churches and locations to give us the revival and the turning point that churches that have held on till the end for. God, I said this along back in 2008. I turned to you on this pulpit and I said, this place has been a lighthouse. You've held for truth when everything else just said, throw it in the bag and quit on it. But you kept preaching truth. Folks, we're at the place of a turning point and where truth has come from this pulpit for a hundred years. That truth is fixing a turn situations. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a turning point. I'm ready for the stone of help, the help of the Lord to come to us and help us in one of the darkest hours we ever felt. But the church is going to be triumphant and there'll be light in Goshen. Lift your hands all across this building right now. I feel the gift of faith moving right now in this message. I feel it right now moving in this congregation. Whatever you got need of in this place, if maybe you're just weary in your faith and you're weary in just living for God, maybe this whole thing of being quarantined, you're weary with all of it. Lift your hands as high as you can and declare to Him, I receive that word tonight by faith. Now I want you to step out of that pew and make your way to the front. Because we got families that are fixing to walk through that back door. Better call.